Hello there, I'm Michelle Dubry. It's just gone six o'clock and we are continuing our coverage live this evening as we follow um, the journey that the Queen makes her last back into London as the coffin makes its way from Edinburgh over here to London. The plane uh, is carrying the Queen's coffin and is accompanied by the Princess Royal. It left Edinburgh Airport and is due to land shortly at RAF Norfolk. From there, the cortege will travel down to Buckingham Palace where the Queen will rest overnight. Keeping me company throughout the show until 7 o'clock this evening, um, we have the Royal Broadcaster, Riff uh, Hale Mancou, the author, Claudia Joseph, and the historian, Dominic Selwood. Good evening to Good you. Um, we will be showing you the progress that the plane is making uh, on the screen. I think uh, the coffin is due to land closer to 7pm this evening. As I was mentioning, she, uh, the coffin did leave Edinburgh Airport a short time ago and, as I mentioned, accompanied by the Princess Royal. About 50 minutes um, is the estimated landing time. And once um, the plane arrives at Norfolk, the cortege will be driven along the A40 to the outskirts of London. It will go along the A40 there. Quite a long road. Um, it will go along then Eastbourne Terrace, down into Lancaster Gate, then along the Bayswater Road into Marble Arch. From there, the cortege will be driven down Park Lane with Hyde Park on the right-hand side, past the Queen Mother Gates to Hyde Park Corner, into the final part of the journey from Hyde Park Corner down Constitutional Hill to Buckingham Palace. Uh, just to remind you, that flight uh, has left Edin Edinburgh and is on its way to London. Uh, you can see, um, if this is your kind of thing, tracking the flights live, we can see exactly where it is now. I'm trying to squint my eyesight and see uh, where it is. It is kind of, where is it? Let's have a look. Yeah, over, just flying over Kendall, the Lake District. Uh, that's as we speak. Dominic, um, a hugely significant day again today. Uh, Northern Ireland was at the heart of lots uh, of the ceremony. The, um, again, we've seen walkabouts from uh, the king and queen consorts. A hugely significant day again. I think what's so fascinating about watching it is that really delicate interplay between this concept of the crown and then the concept of the individual people involved. Because the crown, of course, is this sort of ball of glowing power that just exists whether there are individuals there or not. And each monarch takes it up and uses it in their own way. But so many of the things that we're seeing, King Charles going round the different parts of the United Kingdom, these important addresses in all those different places, is actually encapsulating that really delicate blend between having to reflect the relationship between the crown and the different parliaments, and that's a very you know, ancient historic relationship that Charles was mentioning the other day in Westminster Hall, mm. but also then the personal, just the personal transmission of this role from his mother to Charles. And he seems to be doing it amazingly well with kind of huge energy. But as we watch it, we don't always necessarily manage to distinguish which is the personal and which is the state and the crown, but it's all happening at the same time. And afterwards you look back and you think, yeah, actually they, they got every element in there. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the planning, etc., that goes into an event 
moment uh, like we're seeing now. It's unprecedented. I saw Sadiq Khan actually was talking about some of the activities uh, in London. He was saying it's like the Olympics. Uh, if you think of any kind of uh, momentous occasion and you add them all together, uh, that'll give you a kind of sense and scale of some of the planning uh, and all the different moving parts that need to come together to create perfection. Um, it's not an easy job, that is for sure. Joining us now is our reporter, Jeff Moody. He is on the route uh, that I've just been describing over at Hyde Park Corner is where he is. Uh, good evening. What's the mood like there? And uh, many crowds forming, I imagine lots. There are indeed plenty of people forming. They've been arriving for most of the day, but if you have a look around, they're now five or six deep. It's uh, an amazing experience, to be honest. We, uh, people were rewarded for their patience just now as the a car came around the corner carrying the King and the Queen concert. Audible gasps, as you can imagine, from people here. Really um, pleased and in awe, in a way, to see their king come so close to them. We were expecting the hearse to come through the arch, through the Wellington Arch, but we're now hearing that uh, she's going to be coming around Park Lane, past the Dorchester, round the roundabout here, Hyde Park Corner, and then heading down Constitution Hill to the palace. Uh, we're expecting this to happen at about eight o'clock this evening where the king and queen consort will be waiting outside the palace to greet her. It's a very strange atmosphere, isn't it? Right across London. It's very difficult to describe it. And I think it'll take journalists quite a long time and to, to really process what's happening. It, it's it's a, a nice atmosphere, though. People have been very, very friendly. I mean, people have been saying, um, oh, do you want teas, coffees? And every now and again, someone will go off and buy teas and coffees for everybody else. And they're not particularly worried about payments for it. Everyone's saying, yeah, no, have it on me. People are coming up with sandwiches. So it's a really nice atmosphere, a real sense that we're all in it together. And let's face it, Michelle, that's what we really need at the moment, a sense of coming together. Um, Madam, can I ask you, how, how do you feel being here today now? Emotional. <laughs> We've been together here for a, an hour or two, haven't we? And there's been a lot of humour as well, people helping each other out. That is what I like about a crowd, the atmosphere, yeah. Yes. Yeah. How do you think you will be when you see the coffin, when you see the hearse coming past, how do you think that will affect you? Oh, sad. I saw her wedding and I saw her coronation, so this is the, the third part. So you, you saw her wedding? Yeah. You were in the crowd for her wedding, were you? And for the coronation? What, whereabouts were you for those occasions? Uh, uh, the wedding I don't remember because I was with my parents and I don't remember, I was 10. So I don't really remember where I was, but for the coronation, my father worked for a company and they, they had a, an office above a shop and I was there, so I had a grandstand view. And yeah. what was that like? That what was, was that like? City. It was wonderful, yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, this... Of course, different altogether and solemn, but I had to come. And the crowds expected that the at the funeral it'd be too much this this is more relaxing yeah yeah um, it, it has been a good atmosphere here over the last few hours as people sort of getting to know each other but i mean 
it, it, it is a case that as we get closer to the hour when the uh, hearse comes past, the more the mood changes as we remember why we're here. Back to you now. Indeed, uh, Jeff Moody, thanks for that. Uh, Claudia, I really resonated, um, uh, connected, sorry, to what Jeff was saying there in terms of people coming together and this sense of uh, togetherness and niceness and happiness. And I feel that at the moment in London. I really do. I'm a northerner. And uh, when I'm home in Hull, you do, you make eye contact, you talk to people, you have conversations in the queues. In London, heaven forbid, you actually <laughs> get eye contact with a stranger, they would think that they, you've got something wrong with you. Uh, but now, you walk around, and I have noticed this last few days, people are looking at each other, smiling, making small yeah. talk. No, I think it's, it's very obvious that that is what's going on. And, and it's, it's very nice. I think we saw a little of it at the start of the pandemic, that people were doing things for their neighbours, and then, of course, you get back to reality and then life gets busy and everybody's doing their own thing again. But I think there's generally a mood of mourning across the nation. I mean, obviously, you've got the odd person that's protesting. But on the whole, I think people are genuinely upset. And I mean, vast percentages of people are, are admitting to crying on hearing the news and still crying now and will cry on the funeral. And you see them reading, reading the comments on the flowers and traipsing to the palace to deliver flowers and or Paddington Bears or sandwiches. Yeah, or sandwiches, Paddington and, Bears. Know, I mean, she really did touch the nation. I think, um, to your point, Claudia, a lot of people have been touched by this in a way that they perhaps wouldn't have expected because, mm. I don't know, if someone like that lady there, she's mentioning, uh, Dominic, she's been to all of these different historic occasions, she would expect to be upset. But I think a lot of people that perhaps didn't feel previously that connected to the royals have been surprised by how upset they were uh, when they heard of the passing. It's a, it is a very emotional moment. Mm. And I think if you just put that in a historical context, it often has been. People are very emotional about the monarch in a way they don't quite realise necessarily in the day-to-day -day way. So even back, gosh, we go back to 1290, where Edward I, when his wife Eleanor of Castile died, he was so upset she died in Nottinghamshire that as they walked the 200 miles back to London, he built those 12 Eleanor crosses that we still have three left. You know, Charing Cross is still the one in London, uh, although that's now a replica. But these sort of outpourings of wanting to make a statement and wanted to do something on the death of a monarch. These go back a very long way. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and just in case you're joining and wondering uh, the latest, uh, Northern Ireland was uh, a big day, a lot of focus there today. We'll have the latest on that in just a moment. Uh, but for now, um, the Queen's coffin is still in the air, of course, due to land at RAF Northport, uh, probably within uh, certainly this hour. And we'll be heading over to Buckingham Palace. In Buckingham Palace, as we speak, uh, we have King Charles uh, and uh, Queen Consorts are present there. Uh, this is the flight tracker that we're showing to you uh, live on the screen right now. Uh, it's over Rochdale, it looks like, um, as we speak. And I mentioned uh, early on about Northern Ireland. Um, as I was saying, the King Charles and uh, Queen Consort were in Belfast to attend a service of remembrance at St Anne's Cathedral and to receive condolences from members of the Northern Ireland Assembly. GB News's uh, Northern Ireland reporter, Dougie Beattie, was there. Come to Hillsborough Castle in County Down, Royal Hillsborough, the village. This was, of course, the home of the Governor of Northern Ireland from 1924 to 1973. It is the official residence of the Secretary of State, Chris Heaton, 
and it is also the residence of the royal family when they are here. The uh, royal convoy swung in just behind me here to the castle gates, stopped just short of those gates and King Charles and the Queen Consort exited the vehicle and got out to speak to the crowd. The crowd were cheering and singing God save the King as he moved amongst them. He came up along the gates here behind me and stopped to look at some of the tributes that were led there to his mother. Of course it must have been quite emotional for him because we all seem to forget that he is actually a son and that he is going to bury his mother. As he moved through the gates he met uh, the Speaker of the Northern Ireland Assembly, Alex Maskey, who uh, read to him a letter of condolence from the Northern Ireland government. Of course, that government is no longer sitting because of issues, constitutional issues, it must be said, in and around the Northern Ireland Protocol. Basically meaning that Europe can tell his subjects which products they're allowed to bring in, what taxation they're allowed to put on them, and more importantly, where that border can be. His mother, Queen Elizabeth II, of course, was very much uh, about peace and reconciliation and strengthened Anglo-Irish relations very much in 2011. And we would imagine that he will be looking to do exactly the same. Yeah, indeed. Peace uh, and reconciliation, uh, you know, a huge uh, want and desire for many people. And this was a big uh, moment in Northern Ireland today. I think as Charles progresses around Scotland, England, Northern Ireland, Wales, Northern Ireland is the really difficult one. That's the really sensitive political one. And the history there is so um, uh, complex and multi-layered. So if you go back, actually the beginning of England's story in Ireland is, is Henry II in the 1160s and 70s when, when England conquers Ireland. And that was a, that was a royal conquering Ireland. And so that, that difficulty, that difficulty in relationship between Ireland and, and, and England, and particularly the crown, has been there for a very, very, very long time. And if one thinks of, um, you know, the, the, the time of the Easter Revolution and then the independence of Ireland in 1921, you know, it really was only after the Good Friday Agreement of 1998 when the Queen went to Dublin and she was there in 2011 and wore the green dress and spoke Irish and actually the monarchy suddenly became in Ireland a unifying force, something that could be seen as unifying and not oppositional, that things really began to change. So Charles is able to really build on that legacy. And I think he has shown himself really well today. It must have been such a difficult day that he is totally going to continue that legacy of showing that the monarchy, despite the history, can be a unifying force in Ireland, in modern Ireland. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, and Claudia, again, more walkabouts, uh, really in um, with the, the people showing respect, condolences, gratitude uh, to the monarchy today. And, you know, we were talking earlier on, actually, about just connecting the royals back with the people and these walkabouts and how um, essential they are, even if it's someone that's got perhaps doubts about uh, some of the monarchy or the continuation or whatever. When you see uh, King Charles in front of you, a man that's just lost his mum, immediately uh, going into duty, service, it's really touching, isn't it? I think it's fabulous and I think he's doing a, a sterling job. It, it's interesting as well because you didn't really, you've never seen the Queen do that really. This is, this is a sort of Prince of Wales type behaviour, but it, it works in this current era, I think, because people do want to meet him. They do want to touch him and talk to him and offer their condolences. And I think it, we're seeing a spontaneity that we haven't seen really in, in, Prince, Charles, in Prince Charles, in, in King Charles III, um, that he didn't have in 
earlier years that he's much more comfortable walking up to people and talking to people. I think um, that's for several reasons, and, and partly it's down to Camilla because he's so comfortable and happy now that he can offer much more of himself. Yeah, and Dominic, we was um, talking, of course, I'm just showing the flight um, details as we speak as well from Edinburgh um, into RF Norfolk. So now, there's been lots of talk uh, today and yesterday about whether or not uh, the flight was the right way to do it. Uh, should some or all of this journey perhaps been uh, made by train? Uh, many people feeling that perhaps they're going to miss out on seeing the Queen kind of uh, lying in state because they can't physically get to London. Um, and I think for security reasons, uh, coordination, logistics reasons, train journey just wouldn't have been possible. I think it would have been really difficult because you have to think about security at every single station that it's going to go through at all those points that you have to look after. At least with an aeroplane, you only have to look after the takeoff, the landing and what's going on in the, in the, in the middle bit. But that's a more controlled environment. Um, they also have the pressure of a really, really crushingly quick schedule to get all of this done. Mm. No other monarch has done uh, a, a, an itinerary around the nations, you know, bef uh, this quickly after uh, acceding. Um, and so actually to fit all of that in, I just wouldn't have been possible for it to happen by train. Yeah, and in case you're wondering a progress of that flight, uh, it's just gone over Macclesfield as uh, we speak. So if that's where you are tonight, um, you might have heard it actually going over ahead. Uh, just in case you are interested in the flight, we've just been talking about the train. It's not a train, it is a flight. It's an RAF Globemaster C-17 flight to be precise. Uh, it's due to arrive in RAF at Northort at 6.55 PM that journey uh, from Edinburgh to uh, Norfolk is about 400 miles. There you go. Um, Mark White is uh, live right now at Buckingham Palace with our royal reporter Cameron Walker. Good evening, gents. Uh, talk us through where we are at Buckingham Palace at the moment. Well, as you say, we are waiting here for uh, that uh, hearse carrying the coffin of the late monarch. Uh, to arrive here. It won't be uh, until nearer 8 o'clock this evening because, of course, it's still en route, as you've been showing on the flight radar at the, uh, this moment. It looked as though it was just about uh, the Cheshire area or something, so probably half an hour, maybe 40 minutes before it lands there at RAF Northall. And there to greet her, Cameron, will again be the Prime Minister, we're told. Yes, the Prime Minister will be there at RAF Northolt to greet Her Majesty's coffin. Uh, the Queen's daughter, Princess Anne, the Princess Royal, and her husband, Vice Admiral Sir Tim Lawrence, are accompanying Her Majesty's coffin from Edinburgh on that C-17 RAF plane down to RAF Northolt. And then once it arrives at Northolt, it's going to be placed into a state hearse and it's going to be taken into a, ver a very specific route into central London so the public can line the route if they so wish uh, and see Her Majesty's coffin. So the route is as follows. It goes the, on the A40 in central London, then it goes Eastbourne Terrace, Lancaster Gate, Bayswater Road, Marble Arch, Park Lane, Hyde Park Corner, Constitution Hill before arriving here at Buckingham Palace behind us. Yeah, it'll be a real opportunity for people who can't perhaps get to this very crowded area of central London to be able to pay their respects 
uh, to the late monarch as the hearse carrying her body makes its way towards Buckingham Palace and we know already that there are thousands of people outside RAF Northolt uh, and starting to line the streets uh, along West London where they expect this route to be. And Cameron, we just saw actually not too long ago uh, the King, King Charles III uh, and his Queen Consort Camilla arriving here at Buckingham Palace. The royal standard has gone up now to signify that the monarch is in residence. Indeed, the royal the royal standard is up and it's up at full mast, which uh, is the only flag that currently is not flying at half-mast due to the fact that we are mourning the death of Her Majesty the Queen because the Royal Standard never flies at half-mast. Uh, and the crowds here, despite the rain, are very much uh, eager, I think, to see members of the Royal Family arrive at Buckingham Palace and, of course, see Her Majesty's coffin arrive back in London, this centre point, Buckingham Palace, of the British monarchy here in the UK. Yeah, we're showing you live images at the front of Buckingham Palace there. And you can see people lined there. It's like there are actually fewer people here. They've been, because there's a very, very significant policing operation in place now, They've been marshalling the crowds into certain areas. So, for instance, uh, the pavement, uh, which is just directly in front of where all the camera positions are here, is now empty of crowds. That has been absolutely full. It's pavement that heads down towards Green Park, where the flower garden is. Uh, it's empty of people today. Whether tomorrow, when we get that very sombre procession of the Queen's coffin on top of that gun carriage heading to Westminster Hall. Perhaps there'll be more people allowed in here, but that's going to be something really special because we're expecting members, senior members of the royal family to accompany that uh, gun carriage as it makes its way. Yes, we are. We're expecting members of the royal family uh, on foot and in cars making that uh, very symbolic ceremonial journey down uh, to Westminster Hall. Uh, but we have had some details actually about uh, who is going to be wearing military uniforms. So Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex, is not been permitted, as we believe, to be to wear military uniform at all at any ceremonial events uh, this week, due to the fact he's not a working member of the royal family. Now, this is significant because the Duke of York, Prince Andrew, who's Harry's uncle, has been permitted to wear military uniform at the vigil of the princes in Westminster Hall uh, in a couple of days time. So some people are accusing uh, the people who make these decisions, the firm perhaps, of royal of double standards. But the Duke uh, did put out a statement to say that he didn't want that to distract, that that didn't signify the service that he has given uh, to the nation in the military. So wanting to put, quite rightly, Michelle, the focus back on to the occasion, the coming days as we build up towards the state funeral. Indeed, Cameron Walker, Mark White, thanks for that insight. Um, I found that quite interesting, actually, Claudia, um, what the gents were just referring to there about who's going to be wearing what and uh, um, who's going to have their military um, outfits on, who's not. We don't want it to be a distraction. Well, unfortunately, it is a distraction. Uh, it's the talk that many have on their lips right now, whether it's uh, Harry and Meghan and are they going to arrive here and are they going to be there and who's wearing what. It has become quite a, a sideshow in some ways, hasn't it? And not a good one. Well, it, it's a very difficult, I think, for the king to decide what to do. I think we saw this with Prince Philip's funeral and the queen decided quite pragmatically, I think, 
that everybody was going to wear morning suits so that they wouldn't stand out, Harry and, and Andrew. Um, of course, this is a, a state funeral. It's a very different occasion. And I think they need to wear their uniforms. Um, you can't get away from the fact that Prince Andrew is no longer a working member of the firm, and, and nor is Prince Harry. So they can't really wear military uniforms. They're not rep representing the crown. They're not representing the army anymore. Um, I think that it was quite sensible of the palace to decide to allow Andrew to wear his uniform at the final vigil. You've got to remember he's the Queen's son mm. as opposed to the Queen's grandson, and I think that's where the distinction lies. I don't think it's we prefer Andrew to Harry. I think it's much more that this is about a man mourning his mother and saying goodbye at the last vigil. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and in terms of, like, historically, uh, Dominic, who wears what and, you know, how is that? What is the, the thought process there and how does it normally work? And perceptions are so important. The royal family is about projecting a very, a very particular and a very historical image. So if we think about their relationship with the military tradition, way back historically, of course, the monarchs were fighting monarchs. That's what they did. But then after um, Cromwell, imposed a military dictatorship in the late 1600s. This country decided we don't want to have any mix between the military and politics, and so it's completely separated. So unlike, for example, in France, when you see the president of France on the steps of the Elysee Palace, he'll be surrounded by soldiers and a military guard. You'd never see that in the UK. Parliament just doesn't have soldiers. The military is associated with the monarchy, and that's a very, that's a very meaningful and important separation that's actually kept this country and done it very well for a long time. So yes, to see an event like this and one member of the royal family not wearing military uniform, that is a surprise for people because we're so, we're so used to it. Yeah, indeed. Um, in case you are wondering the progress of this flight, you know, there's tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of people currently uh, tracking uh, this flight as we speak. Some of you, by the way, are watching this, um, watching this show as we speak. The flight has just passed Birmingham. Um, many of you guys have got in touch with me tonight to say that you've seen it. Um, let's just take a look. So Des um, wrote in earlier and said, I've just seen the Queen fly directly over our house in Old in Oldham, he says. Um, Joanne and Brian, my husband and I have just watched the plane carrying the Queen going over our house in uh, East Lanx. She said they watched it until it was out of sight and ends with God save the Queen. Uh, someone else, uh, who's this? Uh, Teresa says, uh, all of this tracking, sorry, it's Pat says, all of this tracking at the plane, it's like you're waiting for Santa, he says, on Christmas Eve. Um, well, Pat, this is uh, history in the making. Uh, what's going on right now are the things that our children, uh, our grandchildren will learn about for years and years to come. I have to say that not everybody um, is into, shall we say, to put it mildly, uh, the ceremony and uh, all of the kind of traditions that we're seeing at the moment. We have seen some protesters around mm. and about. And there's been a lot of debate, uh, Claudia, about uh, the police's handling of some of these people that have been protesting. There's been some arrests. Mm. We've seen uh, some people charged. Where do you stand on this? Do you think people should be able to protest right now uh, their feelings against the monarchy? Well, I think we live in a democracy and, and people have to be allowed to voice their views. I don't think it's particularly 
gracious to, to be doing it on the day of the Queen's, well, the processions when the Queen's children are, are grieving. I think it, it shows a lack of taste and a lack of manners. Um, it's, it's interesting because I don't know if you saw the wonderful pictures of this chap who decided to stand in the middle of the A40 taking a photograph of the procession. Um, and it was extraordinary. And the police, of course, everybody jumped out and thought, what is going on? And then he was harmless and, and released. Um, I think in, in Scotland, it, the, the streets are very narrow in Edinburgh. It must have been very difficult for them to police it. And I think, in fact, it was the other people watching the, the procession that actually sort of wrestled this man to the ground. And then he got arrested for breach of the peace. It's, it's a difficult one and it is not ideal, but he didn't particularly choose his moment very well, I don't think. No, I, well, I mean, some might say he chose his moment perfectly because well, what he wanted to do was uh, create attention to his cause. Um, I personally think it's deeply disrespectful and I wouldn't take kindly, uh, if I'd formed a queue or something, I wouldn't take kindly to someone uh, doing that alongside me, but... Uh, it's not a crime in this country. If you're watching, by the way, uh, what you're seeing there on the screen is uh, live from RAF Northolts as we speak. Uh, the plane carrying um, Queen Elizabeth II's coffin on its way back there, due to due to land um, in the not too distant future, around 15, uh, 20 minutes or so, I think, uh, is the plan there. Princess Anne um, is accompanying her mum, the Queen's coffin on that uh, flight and she issued a statement earlier on today saying it's been an honour and a privilege to accompany her on her final journeys. And this is, I speak about this often um, over this last few days, for all that this is our Queen, um, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, former Queen, um, it's somebody else's mom, someone else's grandmom, and I've personally have been in awe at the uh, service, the duty, the commitment straight on uh, into serving this nation that many of those family members uh, have performed. Dominic, coming back to um, the protesters, I mean, in your mind, should it be a crime to voice your dislike, if you like, of the monarchy? Uh, I can see that for a policeman faced with a large crowd, who are emotionally charged. Seeing somebody um, being stridently of a different view poses a, a difficult decision on the spur of the moment. Um, but I think we are a maverick nation. I mean, we just have to look back to um, the speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, the other day in Westminster Hall, saying to King Charles, you know, reminding him of the glorious revolution that, you know, Parliament killed a king and put another one in place. And in effect saying, you know, this is, this is what this is the environment, you know. So I think there is a mischievousness in Britain, and I think that's I think that's a very good thing. And I think freedom of speech is part of it. Um, I agree absolutely with Claudia that that you know people have to pick their timing. Mm. But I don't think these are criminal matters. I mean, it's breach of the peace in Scotland, um, people being arrested in England under, under the Public Order Act. These offences require threatening and abusive behaviour that causes alarm, distress, a fear of, you know, immediate violence. I just don't think it reaches that level. It's bad taste, but it's not, um, it's not a criminal offence. Yeah, indeed. Uh, tell me your thoughts at home on this, by the way. If you're um, watching, listening this evening, you have strong thoughts about the protesters. Uh, which camp are you in? Do you think that people should be able to go out and express their displeasure, their, um, you know, their strong feelings right now? And what should the reaction to it be? Um, as I was mentioning, we've had people arrested and in some cases charged um, for 
you know, things that people might say are not too bad. Uh, someone was in trouble for holding a blank piece of paper in case he did write uh, something potentially offensive on it. You've had people kind of shoved out of the way of different gates. Um, and as we are just mentioning there, breach of the peace as well. Uh, tell me your thoughts on that. And just a recap as to what you're seeing on the screen there. That is um, live as we speak from RAF Northolt. Uh, I was mentioning earlier on, it's the RAF Globemaster C-17 uh, flight that will be arriving um, in the not too distant future, about 15 minutes or so, uh, should everything go to plan, which I suspect it indeed will. Uh, that journey, of course, from Edinburgh, um, about 400 miles in total. And just to recap what will happen on arrival, the RAF uh, bearer archer will carry the coffin from the aircraft to the waiting state hearst. Uh, a guard of honour uh, formed by the Royal Air Force will give a royal salute as well as the hearst departs. Uh, the uh, coffin then will travel 15 miles um, to Buckingham Palace. And we're just hearing there from Mark White and Cameron Walker uh, about some of the plans there as well. Um, Again, lots of you writing in, tracking. Um, you're seeing the, the, the plane live itself. You're saying to me that you've seen it um, over your house. It's going over Milton Keynes um, pretty much as we speak. Um, who is this? Gloria has just messaged. Oh, you've sent me a picture. I can just, I can see it there, I can. Um, she's saying, I've just seen the lit. Uh, Queen and Princess Royal flying over Cheadle and Staffs, Blad Bridge, she says, to be exact. And you've got a nice picture of it there, a nice clear picture. Uh, that's from Gloria. Um, anybody else watching? Um, are you looking out your window as we speak, um, waiting for it to pass by your house? If so, get in touch and tell me. I'm asking you as well um, about the protesters. Uh, what do you think if people are out and about um, expressing displeasure, shall we say, uh, some of the proceedings, some of the goings on, etc.? How should they be treated? Um, personally, I think it's a disgrace that that's what they want to do, particularly at this point in time. But um, we do live in a free country. Um, so should it be treated as a crime? I would say no. But what say you? Tell me. Get in touch at gbviews at gbnews.uk is the email. Um, lots of someone else has just been in touch saying you've just seen the plane uh, flying out over your balcony. And this is it really is, uh, Claudia, history in the making. And there's lots of conversation as well taking place at the moment across the country about the response to what's happened. Um, so we're officially in a period of mourning and lots of kind of different companies, uh, different sporting entities. There's been lots of kind of discussion and debate about what is the right way to handle things, whether it's this period now or the bank holiday going forward. What do you think? Do you think um, the turn has been right or not? I think so. I mean, it, it's, it's incredibly difficult, isn't it? Because nobody's going to agree with everything. If you're a mad fat football fan, you want to go and watch your game and, and you're appalled that their match is cancelled. Um, if, you're, if you're in centre parks, as people are, and they've now been told they've got to go home and they've spent the money and taken time off for holiday, they probably are quite angry as well. It, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, personally... If you want to watch something on television, there's there's so much choice now. You don't need to watch live television. You can watch a box set or whatever. So I think we can all cope with that. But it, it is difficult because it's a long period of time. And, and you know, you want to honour the Queen and, and 
care for her family and it seems wrong to be going to parties and things like that. But um, equally, people can't think about the Queen 24 hours a day, uh, although her family, of course, will be. Yeah, um, and Dominic, where do you stand on this in terms of uh, the country's response, whether that's, uh, I don't know, for Premier League, for example, cancelling matches, um, people have just been talking about their centre parks and places like that, you know, closing their doors to people um, on the bank holiday. Where are you on it? I think there's a really interesting dynamic, and it's difficult for the people who are planning things, because if you look across the 20th century, you know, royal events got, got bigger and bigger and, and more and more grand. The first state funeral with Edward VII in 1910, you know, and the, and the events have built through to the royal weddings and so on. So people want to see big events, and it's, it's a global audience. But then on the other hand, following austerity, various other things, the royal family would like to trim things back a little, not look like it's a huge profligate organisation, but actually something that's contributing value. We've already heard rumours that you know, the, the coronation is going to be significantly more stripped back than the Queen's was. Um, but you just can't get away from the fact, and we see it, you know, we're seeing it on screen at the moment with all these people, there's a huge number of people who really want to participate in this and want it to be mm. a grand event. So actually navigating that tension um, of, of trying to look a little bit reined in, but at the same time also allowing people to celebrate it because it's important to them, I think is quite difficult. And finding that balance, we're not always going to get it 100% right, but you know, for the, for the, up until Monday, we are, I think we're going to see a real ramp up in, in public engagement with all of this. Yeah, indeed. Um, and tell me at home, by the way, where do you sit on this? Um, of course, huge uh, response uh, to the passing of the Queen. Do you think uh, it's been the right ones? I mean, we can pick, we can take our pick, can't we? We can ask about the sports, the football, for example, cancelled. Um, you know, we've just been talking about the bank holiday Monday, of course, uh, for the state funeral. So you've got many uh, supermarkets, uh, GP surgeries, holiday parks, a variety of places actually closing their doors. Um, do you think this is the right uh, move from people? Would you have liked to have seen it dealt with differently? Tell me your thoughts, gbviews at gbnews.uk. I'm fascinated because, quite frankly, I'm just pleased that I don't have to make that decision because you're never going to please all of the people all of the time. Um, and the explanations from some of these companies as to why they're closing things, I do find uh, quite fascinating, but perhaps for a different day. Um, and Claudia, uh, that plane, by the way, in case you're wondering the progress of the plane carrying the Queen's coffin, uh, it's just gone over Aylesbury, uh, so I'm told. So not long at all. Um, not much sympathy coming through on the email, I have to say, for the people protesting. Um, you know, it's time and a place, many people are saying, for that kind of behaviour. You've got some strong suggestions as to what you would do with the protesters if you were in charge. I won't read those out. We're saying with a positivity tonight. Um, Claudia, I do think, though, that some of the things that have been cancelled um, out of a mark of respect for the Queen have been quite peculiar. Um, and I personally would say a little bit over the top because... There's different ways of paying your respects to someone who's passed. And, you know, having everything cancelled and having to sit in and not do a lot, I'm not really sure how that is showing one's respect because I've seen alternate uh, clips of different sport events, for example, that haven't been cancelled where people 
coming together, they're um, doing a minute silence, they're, um, you know, people armbands, uh, God Save the King being sung. That, to me, was very respectful. Mm. So I think there has been a little bit, uh, personally speaking, of overkill when it, when it comes to some of the things that have been cancelled and continue to be cancelled. I saw um, a bike rack, like, like um, you know, where you lock your bikes to, and people asking for that not to be used out of a mark of respect to the Queen. And I just think that's a little bit odd. Well, I think it's very difficult, isn't it? And I think there's a lot of panicking going on behind the scenes as to what is appropriate. I, I, I think because the Queen lived for so long and we'd all expected her to live forever, mm. um, I don't think people had actually had these conversations before she died. And then we saw her on Tuesday last week. I mean, is that a week ago? I mean, it, seeing the Prime Minister as well, the old Prime Minister, new Prime Minister. And... And then she was dead two, two days later, and I think the whole country went into national shock, first of all. And then, obviously, for the first few days, all everybody was talking about was the Queen having died and the new King and, and that. And, and things were happening so fast that I think that the automatic knee-jerk reaction was to cancel things. Mm. And then we've got this official morning, morning period up until the funeral where... You sort of want the world to stop. Uh, I think if you're grieving, that's what you want. You want everything to stop. And so it, it's, it's quite difficult, but I, I do agree. It, it doesn't... People do have a life as well. I mean, I think we all have to remember that if the Queen hadn't died, we wouldn't have a day off work on Monday. Um, so therefore, you know, if you... And in previous eras, of course, not so long ago, shops were not open on a Sunday or a bank holiday. And in mood with the Queen's age, that maybe that's appropriate, that things are a bit slower and calmer for this week. I don't know. But, you know, sorry, Dominic, you were just about to come in. I think there's a difference between, between mourning and marks of respect, actually. So mm -hmm. mourning is an official period that is... That is um, um, declared. So I, I remember being, and I'll keep it nameless, but a, a Gulf country uh, not that long ago when a ruler died. And everything was locked down for, I can't remember, it was two weeks or something. Mm -hmm. No restaurants were open, no hotels, you couldn't do anything, people weren't allowed to work. There were people still working, but they closed their curtains were working behind them, didn't want anyone to see their lights on. Uh, and, and that's a decision being made for you, and I think mm -hmm. that's mourning. And I think, I think we've taken quite a light approach, actually. Yes, some things are being cancelled, but on the whole, people can go about their lives. But a mark of respect is something you as a person do, mm, yeah. that you initiate. That's from your own, your own kind of will and your own wish. And I think people are doing that um, in all of the things we're seeing with the Paddington Bears and the flowers and so on. And that, that's not something the state asks you to do. That's your own personal response. And mm. uh, what do you think um, the role of technology plays in some of this? Because we're seeing lots of fairs now, aren't we? So we saw um, the accession um, on Saturday, I think it was. I'm losing track of all my days now, but uh, King Charles' accession was televised. That was the first time that had happened. Um, and technology now, everything is is captured and you know you're watching the walkabouts for example um, and all of them of course if you see any footage that's taken from within the crowd you just see a sea of telephones of mobile phones of ipads of tablets like you name it everything is getting captured everything is getting filmed everybody's decision that they're making whether that's an organization or as a person 
instantaneously getting judged on things like social media, whether it's mm. Twitter, Facebook or the like. So we do live in this quite kind of judgmental technological age now, don't we? It's going to be a phenomenal task. If you're a historian and you're looking back at, at some royal event in the you know, 1800s, or 1700s or 1200s, you, know, you have a limited number of sources and you can go to them. <laughs> How on earth are people going to cope with looking back at all the data and all the information there is now around this? It's just, it, it, it is mind-boggling. Mm. Um, but then, you know, I think there's a really interesting distinction between of course the royal family are using technology in a, in a very clever and a good way they have to it's the more it's the modern world we've known this since at least the 1930s moving image video footage film music emotion all of these things are an important part of presenting something but now the democratization of it with with social media and everybody having a camera it's a fascinating new layer yeah, indeed. Um, we've just been told, by the way, that, that uh, the plane carrying uh, the Queen's coffin is due to land uh, in less than five minutes. Um, so that's less than five minutes. Lots of you still getting in contact with me, thanking us um, for sharing that progress, because many of you have been able to nip out and see it for yourself going over where you are. Lots of you have been in touch, actually. Uh, thank you if you've been out and you've taken your picture of um, that flight. I'm enjoying seeing your pictures. Budding photographers we seem to have watching the show tonight. Uh, who's this? Steve, you've just seen it going over Burton on Trent. Um, yeah, what's this one? Oh, someone attempting to see it and failing miserably, or perhaps uh, I think I think a few people are going out. Um, who's this? When you showed a clip of the plane uh, leaving Manchester, did I? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of you there capturing perhaps uh, your local EasyJet flight or something there. She's definitely not uh, on that one, unfortunately. I think you've seen something else. Um, the C-17 RAF Globemaster uh, flight arriving in RAF Northort, um, as of just been mentioning and that is the picture that you're seeing live on the screen there getting ready for that touchdown that arrival uh, the journey um, that will have just taken place from Edinburgh uh, about 400 miles that plane has just passed over Slough um, as we speak you can see that tracker um, just on your screen now but if you're listening not watching it's just um, passed over Slough um, on arrival, uh, it will be met by an RAF bearer. He's going to carry the, um, the the coffin. Will be taken to a waiting state. Hearst, a guard of honour formed by the Royal Air Force, will give the royal salute as that Hearst departs. And then the journey uh, over to Buckingham Palace will begin. That journey is 15 miles. Um, we we're talking as well the uh, King Charles and the Queen Consort uh, in position already at Buckingham Palace. Uh, uh, the Queen's daughter, Princess Anne, uh, is on that plane as well with the Queen. Mentioned earlier on, uh, the Princess Royal saying, it has been an honour and a privilege to accompany um, the Queen on her final journeys back to London as well. And it is, I mean, just the history. I, we just cannot get away from what we are watching here is literally history in the making. As a historian, that must be quite exciting to you, um, Dominic. It's hugely exciting because sometimes history uh, just does similar things. Uh, you know what's going to happen. But in this case, we're seeing so many new things happen. Um, this, this is, this is um, very much different to what we've had in the past. And I'll tell you what, uh, while Dominic's talking, you can see the plane on the screen now. This is it uh, coming in to land. 
So this is literally, you're watching um, or listening actually, you might be listening to me instead, history in the making. Uh, this is the plane, uh, the RAF Globemaster C-17 flight, uh, touching down or arriving imminently. We can see it on the screen now, uh, arriving in RAF Northort. Uh, 400 miles pretty much uh, that journey is just taken has been um, from Edinburgh and it will be the coffin will be making its way over to Buckingham Palace um, sorry interrupted I, mean, the, I was just gonna say that you know the Queen is such a was such a huge figure uh, in terms that in terms of the influence that she cast everywhere that one of the amazing things we're, we're watching now, which again you were saying as a historian is, is really interesting, is that her children, who actually have been in the, I mean, they've, they've, of course they've had so many roles, ceremonial, military, charities, events they're doing, but now we're hearing their voices mm. much more than we were. They're issuing statements, they're saying things, they're actually, you know, we're getting a much closer sense of their personalities than ever we had before. And for decades there were so many people wondering, you know, is Charles up to it, can he do it? And the resounding answer is yes, he's amazing, he's really connecting with mm. people, and he's a really safe pair of hands. The Princess Royal, again, you know, so dutiful in doing so many mm. things. But now we're seeing her doing this important role and talking about it. So I think one of the things that we will see going forward is a much more communicative royal family. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually rather exciting. The Queen did it her way and, that, and it worked very well. But a new era is definitely starting. Yeah, indeed. Um, and again, just to repeat in case you have just tuned in, uh, what you're seeing on your screen right now is live picture uh, of... The C-17, the RAF Globemaster flight, um, carrying the Queen's coffin. Um, the journey began in Edinburgh, uh, travelled almost 400 miles um, down towards London due to arrive. Literally, we can see this happening as we speak um, at RAF North Holt. Any moment now. There we go. Literally just see a very smooth landing and it's landed it's touched down the plane has touched down on the tarmac at RAF North Holt Cameron Walker joins us now Cameron good evening Good evening, Michelle. Yes, uh, the Royal Air Force C-17 aircraft has reached, uh, has landed at RAF Northolt in West London. Uh, it will be taken in a state hearse from RAF Northolt to Buckingham Palace through central London. And in the last few minutes, actually, I understand that we have uh, a list of the members of the royal family who are expected to be at Buckingham Palace to greet and see the coffin arrive. So we know already that His Majesty the King and Queen Consort are going to be at Buckingham Palace. We now know that the Prince and Princess of Wales are going to be there, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan, Prince Andrew, his two daughters, Princess Eugenie and Princess Beatrice, uh, the uh, Prince Edward and Sophie Wessex, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, their two children, Viscount Seven and Lady Louise, Peter Phillips, who is, and Zara Tyndall, Princess Anne's two children, as well as Lady Sarah Chateau and Earl Snowden, who was Princess Margaret's two children, so therefore uh, the Queen's niece and nephew. So 
It looks like a lot of family members are going to be uh, attending Buckingham Palace this evening to see Her Majesty the Queen's coffin arrive back in central London. Cameron Walker. Um, and we've just been showing the progress um, that that flight um, has made, the journey that it's took. If you're sitting at home and you, you're thinking to yourself, I miss that, I want to see the exact route. You can see it on any uh, flight tracker, actually. The flight number there, ZZ177, uh, about 400 miles that journey has taken from Edinburgh to RAF North Holt. And that is the picture that we're seeing on uh, the screen there, that plane having touched down um, in the RAF North Holt. I mean, Cameron Walker, Claudia, was just mentioning the list of family members um, that will be present there at Buckingham Palace. To pay their respects. Again, uh, the Queen will be um, laying in rest there uh, before, of course, uh, she travels to Westminster Hall tomorrow. Um, but it will be her last night tonight in Buckingham Palace. Well, I must say, I hadn't really expected so many family members to go there. But of course, it, it's obvious that they would be. This is their chance to pay their private farewells to the Queen. Most of the family haven't been in Scotland, they haven't seen her, um, they weren't there when she was dying. And um, so I think it will be very moving time for them this evening to have some time alone with her, to talk to her and, and to pray and cry and, and, and actually comfort each other. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And I mean, it is, lots of this has been performed in front of the cameras as we've just been describing, but a moment of privacy. I think. Yes, she of course spent a lot of time in Scotland and loved it very much. And there were there were detailed plans about how to bring her back from Scotland if this happened. But but London is home. She was born in London. Mm. She was born in Mayfair. This this is her home, and this is where her family are. So that moment of, of privacy, absolutely inevitable. But I think I think now it's going to. I mean, it's it's real for many people, but it's really going to sink home for lots of people in England now that her body is back here. What exactly we're witnessing. Yeah, indeed. And tell me, by the way, um, are you uh, on your way to London? Are you in London? Will you be heading to London um, to go and pay your respects to the Queen um, as she lies in state in Westminster Hall? People have been queuing there for already now, I think at least a day or so. Um, I have to say the weather here in London is not that great. If you are indeed planning on making that journey, uh, do let me know whether or not uh, you're, you're planning to be in London uh, and what you're thinking about this, uh, about all of it at the moment. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Sue has just been in touch uh, saying, I tracked the whole uh, flight trip there from Edinburgh to London. Um, the, the app that she was watching it on had 312,000 people uh, watching that flight. And this is what I mean. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people have tracked that flight. Um, we've been keeping you company uh, during that journey, actually, from Edinburgh to North Holt, which it's just arrived at as we speak. 400 miles or so, RAF Globemaster C-17 flight. Uh, that flight number, if you do wish to see uh, the route that that flight's taken, I know lots of you have been in touch telling me that you've actually seen that flight. I've got your pictures too. Um, that flight number was ZZ177. Alfie has just emailed him making a very good point. He says, Michelle, if you turn that flight number upside down, it says Liz. So it does. Didn't notice that. 
Thank you very much, Alfie, for sharing that with me. That is all we've got time for. I shall be back tomorrow at six o'clock to keep you home, um, keep you company, should I say. But the Queen, uh, the Queen's Coffin is back in London. Uh, Dominic Selwood and Claudia. Uh, Joseph, thank you very much for keeping me company this evening. Mm -hmm.